This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 449, AI in CES. Good afternoon, Michael Rowe here, and it is time to talk CES with my friends and co-hosts, Michael Martin and Andy Piper. Andy, how the heck are you? I'm doing well, Michael. It feels like this week we've been more inundated than usual with exciting new technologies and spaceships flying around everywhere. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going through some of these links. How are you, Mr. Michael Martin? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Andy. And I'm glad that, Michael, you have not gotten the CES crud. Or or maybe you have. You're just not at CES this year, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, all new cruds, right? <laughs> Options for tons, tons of cruds. Well, we, we, we are not going to spend the entirety of this show doing CES recap. There are other podcasts that will help you do that if that's your cup of tea. Uh, but... Speaking of CES and speaking of all the automotive innovations, uh, Andy, you, you kind of were leading us off in our pre-production meeting in some of your thoughts about what you're seeing the automotive companies doing and announcing this week. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I, I think one of the things we all said to one another as we got together here today to talk tech was, wow, there's a lot of links. And we, we kind of <laughs> more so we've than usual. Of, more so, so than usual, and we've kind of tried to chunk them up into, I guess, themes and topic areas that we've noticed. So rather than go deep individually through links here, we're going to kind of do some roundups and really encourage you listeners, as as we often do, to go check out the blog games at work.biz and uh, click through the links and explore things in a bit more detail. So I think for me, we've got five or six different uh, topics around cars or individual links around cars and car tech and inbuilt infotainment systems and AI in cars and things like that. And I think for me, it's interesting that the, the ongoing situation we seem to be in is around disintermediation of the car manufacturers um, from their own sort of uh, customers via the tech companies. So we've had a while now where we've had these pushbacks where we've had car companies saying, well, you know what? We're actually not going to go CarPlay or Android Auto. We're going to do our own thing. Uh-huh. We, we think our thing is going to be more integrated with our stuff um, and, and better as a result. And we've seen for a while a bit of pushback around um, from, from consumers saying, actually, I want, want my phone or my mobile systems to work well with the cars. Um, yeah, we've got a number of things, manufacturers from Ford, Polestar, Mercedes, VW, uh, and of course our friends at BMW, who've all got different takes on beefing up infotainment systems. I, I like the point that you're raising about the automotive industry looking to not be turned into the proverbial dumb pipe uh, and be a right. channel for uh, other companies' services. And 
Um, there were a couple of elements for me in particular on the BMW announcements that, that caught my attention of where there's some differentiating technology that they're talking about. So hold the you know, information and uh, infotainment kind of stuff off to the side. There's some intriguing elements there around uh, creating artificial intelligence based remote valet parking. Uh, to be able to say, hey, uh, we'll take over the car, find a parking space, maneuver into it. And that could be an intriguing partnership kind of opportunity that might be unique for a time. But I could see where something like that would be actually desirable if you were a garage operator and wanted to maximize the short-term rental of your garage space to really anybody coming in or out. Um, so I, I thought that was an intriguing aspect. And I'm also thinking there are intriguing aspects here too of the various third-party services for hooking in the large language models to allow you to control your vehicle and to do even more in and around your vehicle beyond what you might just ask your phone or your artificial uh, agent, um, artificial intelligence agent that you might be accessing only through your phone in the car. So what the the the, the parking the self driving parking thing that you you mentioned uh, didn't we have and I can't remember if it was Mercedes or Audi probably about three years ago a demonstration that they were doing in uh, parking garages where it would pull out come through the garage and come out to the front of the of the building to pick you up and allow you to then get into your car. Are there, are there other things that are going on in that space that are more interesting? Is it, is it more from the integration with the parking provider versus the vehicle provider? What's, what's the thought there? Yeah. So I haven't researched it tremendously and I, and I know from uh, my experiences and, and things I've observed in Japan, there's some really intriguing ways of doing parking, parking garages uh, in very tight quarters in Tokyo. Uh, but this is a joint development effort with a company called Vallejo. And the notion behind this is you would take your car to a particular drop-off location and then the vehicle would find its parking spot, get into that parking spot and stay there. So I, I think I remember what you're talking about too, Michael, um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an additional element beyond what we've been thinking about envisioning before of go drive around, go find yourself a place where you could park ideally for free. And when it's time for the car to come pick you up after you're done with your dinner or the show or whatever you've done, uh, then come get you again afterwards. I wonder if it could circle the block every uh, two hours for you. So, <laughs> yeah. so the one that the, the one of these um, sets of stories I found the most interesting um, in the sense of why, <laughs> what the heck is going on here is the Mercedes, uh, Mercedes Benz story. So there's a whole yeah. thing where they've got this system called MBUCS, um, which is this kind of all touchscreen panel dashboard all the way across type kind of thing that, um, they've been accused of not having any features on. And now suddenly they are shoving so many features in and most of the features make zero sense in a car. So. They've done some kind of big collaboration with Will I Am, and uh, they've got uh, they, they're integrating NFT display. They're integrating some form of like enabling you to play your car like an instrument. There's I just I just have to wonder wh whether this is just for the sake of 
making an impact, building a buzz. They've got, you know, they're talking about adding a load of arcade gaming features. They're talking about adding what they call audio movies to the the the, the thing. I I am I'm 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 not on my my other the other show that I sometimes guest on Tech Grumps right now, but I'm feeling like this is just too much and too ridiculous <laughs> and so ridiculous that it's deliberately ridiculous, but it's still done in a very glitzy way with big names which make it seem like it could be serious i just don't think it can be serious i i want to also pull in another story that we hadn't actually shortlisted to to talk about but uh <laughs> another device that the that got, that got brought up this week um i mean it com- comes back to what michael was just referring to around the um the llm stuff is this thing called the rabbit ai oh yeah um, yes which um is is apparently rabbit is kind of this little handheld device that looks very much like a the, the, play, the date. play date, the, mm-hmm. the panic play date. And of course it's built by the designed by the same people, Teenage Engineering, from the hardware perspective. Right. But they are doing what they refer to as a large action model. So they you can teach your actions essentially by scraping uh, other websites and APIs to teach it to combine things. And so as you were just Potentially in the car, you may have this LLM which learns or understands the concepts of you know, which which space is mine, all that kind of thing. Um, and it was a brilliant takedown of uh, the the rabbit because I, I looked at it. I thought that looks like a shiny, cool device. Um, it's and but the the video is an utter utter ripoff of a Steve Jobs uh <laughs> product demo oh yeah uh reveal down to the the last detail except for the fact it was a really poor one and, and it wasn't an uh, yeah, the, communicator was it right and and then and then the the aftermath uh site link that talks about it and the, the reason i'm going i'm ranting at this point and, and connecting these two things is i'm just thinking that this is this is too much right this is why literally why would you bother and and i'm thinking why would mercedes bother with this insanely high-tech looking uh, set of computer integrations that just don't make sense to me. So so the whole thing about the rabbit, I actually thought was really interesting for all different reasons than what they pitched. Mm. <laughs> uh, to, to me, the, the, the selling point of the rabbit was a technology demo uh, to do one of two things. I'm going to go down the one that I would rather have, which is they 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 use this term lamb, the large, yeah, large action, action model. model. Mm. and and I thought that was fascinating as a way of automating UI testing. Mm, yeah. Uh, to, to build a platform that could understand the concepts behind some either mobile or web-based application mm-hmm. and to take natural language to then automate exercising that environment. To me, as soon as I saw it, I forgot all the consumer aspects, etc. I went immediately to an a, uh, a UX testing model and I was like, this is what this product should be. They, yeah. uh, the other stuff is stuff that I can do basically today with yeah. if this, then that, or, you know, adding in chat GT, GPT onto my platform. But the lamb concept was exciting. And yeah, I, I, I know that I took us down a rabbit hole, uh, took us down a, a rat <laughs> hole uh, or whatever here, you know, and, and a, and a sideline, mm-hmm. but 
rabbit I hole. I think that yeah. there there is a um, an interesting set of capabilities and demos, demos, technology demos that um, are kind of coming together um, in in certain ways here. And I think we'll see some more of that as we go through the rest of the topics we'd put together here. Well, it, it does circle back right where you opened the conversation today, Andy, that you, companies are trying to provide services without being disintermediated. And and that's an area of additional value. So you're, you're going to try some things like the will I am kinds of capabilities. So I get that. Uh, what I would say I don't even want, though, is I don't want to have a third party that is now harvesting my data or operating in a way that is not consistent with what I would like to have. I don't want it don't want the LLM to be enhanced by my activities. I well, would like the option to shut those aspects off and, and isn't that not use them. And in isn't there an interesting uh thread there connecting us to last year's um campaign by Mozilla to get the car companies to um, play nice with their data collection policies. And then 100%. around comes January and CES, and all of a sudden they're putting AI in the cars and they're doing uh, all of these other things that, 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 that potentially are going to take a lot more account of your interests and, and so on. So, yes, I think this is, this is all an interesting confluence of uh, technology and data again. Mm -hmm. So we have to see how easy it's going to be to, to say, no, I don't want it. Because if it's the same as the Samsung TV, where you have to go through menu after menu, or at least in my case, mm -hmm. I have to agree to the terms and conditions that say you can harvest my data in order to then disagree to allow you to harvest my data. <laughs> total <Yeah. laughs> I total just, side I just, to circular. Total sidebar, total sidebar, um, but on terms and conditions this mm -hmm. week. Um, in 3D printing world, which is where I live half the time, um, Bamboo Lab, who are you know the the Apple, if you like, of the of the 3D printer world, they've built up this premium product on top of all this open source uh, community based stuff. Uh, have actually come out and agreed that if you agree to waive your warranty and waive all future support from the company, they will enable you to install third party firmware onto the printers. Ooh. Um, which is a, an interesting situation. And they wrote quite a nice blog post about it, actually. Uh, huh. I wasn't expecting that. When the story came out saying, hey, there's this third-party firmware that, that you can essentially jailbreak, root your device to, to, uh, uh, to have, they haven't said, you know, um, this is illegal um, or, or we, will, we will come after you. They have said you have a firmware that you can jailbreak but in order to do so, you we must know the ID of that printer, and it will be taken off of our systems. Hmm. Yeah, it, very interesting. Hmm. That's 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 actually you know all things considered a, a pretty reasonable approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Um, an interesting one. I'm not going to opt into it myself, but I thought it was interesting. Well, the terms and conditions usually are if you open this port or you do this thing, you are violating the warranty. And you should yeah, expect no service, right? Don't tell yeah, Roland that I'm about to. <laughs> don't tell Roland that I'm about to disassemble a 1983 DXY plotter because I'll I'll definitely <laughs> void the warranty on that thing. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move to controllers because this was going to be a fun part of our conversation today. We turned up this week some uh, interesting ways of controlling devices, and I don't recall which one of the two of you. 
identified, I think Andy, it was you, a voice capturing mask as one controller. Oh, yeah. I I, I think well, this had come up before. I think, yes, it was... Um... Oh no, it wasn't this one. It was one of the yeah, other no. masks, wasn't it? But this one, this one's the one that uh, it looks very similar to that that Dyson uh, mask for, yes. for um, you know breathing breathing well. Um, but this one is uh, meant to be a, a voice uh, capturing uh, one, which which provides um, additional um, perceptible and intelligible distance type uh, stuff. And 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 look, uh, it's the the story in TechCrunch is written by my friend Haya, uh, and uh, he he has quite a uh, a balanced view. Usually, he's kind of saying, "Well, I'm not really sure what the use cases are." Mm-hmm. I thought the headlines great. I mean, TechCrunch is usually good with uh, <laughs> with headlines. You know, it makes you look like Bane from uh, from the Dark Knight movies. Yeah, Did- definitely. Did this one come out actually a year ago? Because it looks very familiar, and it's not not the Dyson one. Um, and I think the use case actually, I get it. Uh, if if you are you know living with somebody who's not into gaming, and you mm. want to communicate with other gamers in a in a first person shooter, and actually use all the voice stuff, mm-hmm. um, it basically muffles your voice from people physically around who are near, you, near, but nearby keep, yeah yeah but keeps it at a it's the cone of silence uh to go back yeah to it's agent it, agent 99 and it, it gives you the ability to better immerse yourself without uh interfering the people around you i'd like to see a lot of people at the office since we work in an open space now have these on so so they the, don't have to hear them gab the the, <laughs> the the company was founded in 2021 so this may some some form of our uh, perception um, filter at some point, but uh, yeah, the, this is the kind of launch of the Kickstarter, um, partly funded by the French government, I think, or, or one of the French investment um, bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Michael. I can see some element of it, but I think the edge, it, its edges of normal usage that that, that would um, so it's difficult to discern exactly where those those uh, those things lie. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and it's interesting, too, that if there's so much voice controlling going on that now you need to muffle voices in order to do voice controlling, it, I don't know, this, this just seems like a, a, a weird thing. I, I get the use well, case, Michael, that you have a little bit better of how can you make people quieter in a in an open landscape, but... yeah. Uh, the, the the next the other one here the the, the tongue controller that uh, got mentioned um, it, it very much reminded me of where we were talking last week about the the, the Sony uh, patent for uh, for the foot controllers yes where I right. was saying I felt like it had a lot of uh, applicability potentially to people with uh, accessibility uh, situations sure. disabilities and so on right? that makes a lot of sense and this one is explicitly in that space. So, 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 given that, uh, if you use both controllers, could you have foot and mouth controllers? Uh, <laughs> oh, ha Boo. <laughs> yeah. So the mouth controlling one is one I, I came across. I would say you got to take a look at it to get the visual, but the, the notion here from an accessibility point of view, Andy, that's exactly what le- was my take to, uh, for people, uh, that have the ability to control things. This, this could be a great benefit to them. And not mm. just using uh, visual control, like with the eyes and eye tracking and the like. So, pretty cool. 
it might be some, might be another way to do things in a quiet way too, right? I, I just, mm. just just saying, just saying. Um, we had a third interesting controller um, from Adrian Hahn, and and I, this is another friend of yours, Andy. You got you know, this is like all your friends and family stuff here today, right? Um, actually, I I follow Adrian. He's not. You may be confusing him with Dan Hahn. Uh, oh. I know better, but mm-hmm. um, but they okay. yes, yeah, similar names. Um, but um, and, and I, I particular link because it's on Substack, and I'm trying to uh, wean myself away from Substack-based uh, content mm. at the moment. Um, but anyway, uh, people choose where they, their content lives. This is about um, a an arcade game actually called um, uh, VR Agent. It's a, a an arcade game that you that where you uh, are playing um, a shooter, and the headset, the VR headset screen, is attached. To the, the the visor, if you like, is it directly attached to the gun to the to the controller, which is quite interesting. I hadn't seen anything um, myself like this. Michael Rowe mentioned that you may have tried something like this before, but this was a, yeah, this was a, a new one on me. Yeah, there was a, a an arcade in Durham uh, that I went to a couple of years back uh, for a friend's birthday, uh, and uh, they they had this similar setup. The only thing that I remember that is different than what's described in this article was um, it did still have the you know shoot off screen to to reload. But uh, I remember you know you kind of looked through a visor, you had the gun up at kind of shoulder level uh you had big screens that people could see stuff uh and watch you play uh but you were kind of in the visor the whole time well, um it it was interesting uh but i i don't like first person shooters so right okay <laughs> I well i mean i i, I do but what i i found the actual uh, the whole piece here uh, what alerted me to the existence of uh gravity max liverpool which is apparently a, a venue uh uh last summer um which uh has a, a ton of these kind of uh, experiences in and the other interesting part of it was that uh adrian is referring to this as a sega this particular one is one of sega's first vr arcade games but referring to it as a well-executed tech demo rather than an actual game so i think that um yes it's curious to see how more of this technology starts to be absorbed i was in a workshop or a session yesterday about uh, with somebody presenting on an introduction to metaverse and he was talking about metaverse environments that he's built for different clients but they were all browser based uh, or 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 access through through you know the two dimensional the, the, the you know the the screen with the mouse um very much like second life has was in the past and i'm thinking increasingly about what we're about to move on to which is the visual experience, how we interact with things, uh, either immersively or in a, in a 3D space. Uh, so, yeah, I find it interesting how some of these things are in the arcades and being deployed. Well, and, and you've yeah. got to build them in a way that they can't break easily or that, you know, exactly. people aren't throwing them around. So uh, if we if we talk for a moment about Xreal's new AR glasses, uh, well, they're much less expensive than some others, right? These are coming in at six ninety nine. You still don't want to be throwing them around, so to speak, but they're less expensive than others. And also in our our pre production meeting, because we do you know we do that kind of quality for you, our listening audience, uh, to to get things organized. Um, the the notion here is that there are 
plenty that are now starting to stream into the market uh, for various particular use cases. And it was neat to see here that this new company is competing with Meta and obviously Apple Vision Pro. We've heard a lot about that this week. Um, what do you think about this particular device, Andy, given your experiences in the Meta space? Is there anything that you say is like, oh yeah, that'd be better or that'd be worse? So this still a situation where we are caught between the desire to have the spectacle style or more lightweight, smaller, less intrusive, less, less intrusive, um, wearable or the full on headset. And of course the rumor has been over the many years that when Apple went into this space, they would be doing it in a really, uh, neat, um, visually aesthetically pleasing way. You can say the vision pro is, or is not that, or that they wanted to do something even more advanced than, 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 than the, the, the first version will be. But I think that, um, this spectacle based stuff is still interesting. We've gone from the snap spectacles, um, meta have obviously done the, uh, collaboration with Ray-Ban mm -hmm. and at the end of last year, they added, uh, sort of LLM style capabilities to that, which apparently made them very, very cool and good. Uh, and then you've got things like this, the, this, uh, uh, again, lightweight, um, but still with things like six, uh, uh, six, uh, depth of field, what do you call it? Six DOF tracking, uh, six degrees of freedom, not depth of field. There you go. Degrees of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, uh, the ability to run some level of immersive, uh, AR app, which fits it almost into the spatial computing kind of direction that Apple wants to go, uh, and that Sony have been muscling into as well, or claiming to get into. So I think that, um, there's still this kind of battle or, or tension or situation between the full on headsets which will of course be, continue to get more small and, and, and light and so on and the already small things and what you can fit into those frames right now. And then you've got the cost. Um, there, as you mentioned, the cost difference is, is significant, but, uh, I will, I've been talking a lot, so I'll shut up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know we're not going to go deep on, on the vision pro just because, you know, there's enough of that out there. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that, there is a a market that's starting to develop that over the last really three years, I'd say it's gotten a little bit more mature where you start seeing segmentation based off of pricing and feature. Um, yeah. the, the, the thing that I'm hoping to get when, when I order my Vision Pro next week uh, is that it is much more a computer on your face not a, a, a UI tool mm. um, where there uh, is no dependency on other hardware. I, and I think uh, I've read, I read some stuff this week that suggests that it is not, I mean, they, that's where they want to pitch it as, but they're going to have to work hard to actually prove it to be a computer on your face and not a, a secondary computing device. Um, but, but, but well, the, 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 just on the vision pro point, I found it fascinating that, and, and, and highly on, on topic that if you look at this story, which came out on Monday, January the 7th, um, about the Xreal new AR Pro uh, glasses aimed at the Apple Vision Pro later on in the story, it, it goes on to say, uh, 
Of course, the Vision Pro is rumoured to launch in February. Well, hey-ho, along comes middle it's of the week. It's not rumoured. <laughs> and Apple go, yep, it's coming out February. You can order them next week and, and we're, we're, good. we're ready to go. That was absolutely timed to hit the middle of this news cycle and suck all of the oxygen <laughs> out of the room from these from these competitors. Yeah, so 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 uh, agree, and I think I think Apple purposely timed it for the start of CES week, right? Uh, to to kind of take out the you know some of the air out of the room, like you say. Uh, but but I think if if you look at the same discussions that we had, what 10, 15 years ago around tablet computing, right? Um, the the iPad found a, a higher end niche market uh, that it was aimed for. I think the Vision Pro is looking that same thing. Now the big difference right now is the Vision Pro will run iOS and iPad apps, but not Mac apps. Uh, so, but you can use a, a Mac as a, a virtual display, right? So you can connect up to that. Uh, these headsets uh, or these glasses that a lot of people are coming out with. What I don't know enough about yet, because um, I just don't have a pair. I mean, other than Google Glass from <laughs> over a decade ago, right? Um, I, I haven't invested in other ones to to play with. But what's the ecosystem from a development perspective? What are the types of applications that will run native on it without having some kind of uh, tether to a PC or some other thing? I mean, I think that's what's really good about the Quest, right? Uh, the Meta uh, the, the Meta Quest headsets do run their own stuff. They don't you know they don't require other hardware. So um, I think I think Meta is going to benefit from the Vision Pro because they can expand their kind of go up and down scale on their pricing and do more stuff. Uh, Apple will continue to try to get the people who want to spend $3,500 for a computer that's on your face. Uh, and then you'll have these other companies like Xreal and others that are really providing extending monitors with additional features. And I think that's actually kind of exciting from an ecosystem perspective to see how all this plays out. Well, I, I, and I know as much as you do in, on these uh, particular products, but I've done a bit of searching while you've been talking just then because I got curious and I thought that was a really good point. And it turns out that those um, X-Real glasses run something called Nebula OS, um, which does let you uh, create immersive 102-inch screens uh, inside of your glasses um, cool. from your MacBook, for example. So... It will be interesting to see, and, and, and there's another story we, we saw this week about Acer's, Acer coming out with the spatial uh, predator view uh, display, which is more of a 3D, uh, almost a 3D projection sort of display. Um, it would be interesting to see how many people, as a result of things like Vision Pro starting to come to market this year, start to become more comfortable with using virtual virtual screens inside of uh, AR, VR, XR displays. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will. Exciting times. I mean, we've, we've predicted it. We've seen it. We think we've seen it. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if we get there. You, you know who else predicted it? I won. E-Pred. Right? Yeah. Well, E-Pred. E-Pred did, did not write any Ready Player One. He wrote an equally amazing set of uh, sci-fi novels. But uh, Ernest Klein wrote Ready Player One, yes. uh, which, of course, is all about this dystopian uh, world where everybody gives up the real world to go play in a metaverse. Let's do it. 
<laughs> so yeah, so apparently uh, they're doing it. They decided to launch it. Yep. Well, someone's got to do it, apparently, right? <laughs> <laughs> Readyverse Studios. It should be fun. Well, they're going team, to exclusively I... bring the Ready Player One franchise to the metaverse across Web3. Uh, fully buzzword. Oh, well, client. only three. Uh, yeah. Only Web3. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll get yesterday. to 11.0 at some point, you know. Exactly. Oh, and Futureverse. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, team, we're, we're at time for this week. So, hope you've enjoyed hearing a, a little bit about some aspects of CVS, not the whole kit and caboodle but um but a few of the interesting things that we're seeing we're going to keep our eyes open we hope you will as well and drop us a line uh we'd love to see the listener links come in and get a chance to respond to them you can find us all over the interwebs uh but mostly on uh on mastodon is the easiest place to get to us but we do email and smoke signal and pigeons do arrive from time to time too so check us out rate us review we love that. And we'll be back again in another week's time for another edition of Games at Work. Dot biz. Dot biz. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to Games at Work. Biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at Games at Work underscore biz or at our website at Games at Work dot biz. Thank you.